Hey, welcome to Arts Forward MKE. I'm Lindsay Sheridan, your host and director of marketing and PR at Imagine MKE. Thanks for spending some time with this show today. In this episode, I speak with Katie Cummings, founder and executive director of Pink Umbrella Theater Company, which provides theater learning experiences for people of all ages who identify with a physical, intellectual, or emotional disability. I really loved hearing more about their work from Katie and reminiscing with her about being fearless theater-making kids back in the day. I hope you enjoy the conversation too. Thanks for listening. Well, hi, Katie. Really glad to have a chance to talk with you today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting. So I would love to start with asking you if you remember a time early in life that you experienced art in a way that impacted you deeply and that stuck with you. Yeah, um, I, I, I fell in love with theater at like four. So uh, my mom took me to St. Joseph High School, which I eventually became um, an alumni from, and we went to go see the musical Can Can. Mm. And St. Joseph High School, the theater, it, it looks like a Broadway theater. It's a beautiful space. Um, to a four-year-old, right? Like, I didn't know any better. Uh, but we sat up on the balcony, and we watched these beautiful women dance and sing and kick their legs. And um, and I remember leaving the theater, and I told my mom, uh, I want to do that when I grow up. And my mother <laughs> said, you will never be a can-can girl. Um, <laughs> and of course, I didn't know what that meant. And <laughs> I know now what a can-can girl is. Um, but I, I loved every aspect about it. I loved the lights and the singing and the dancing and the costumes. And we, um, I think from four years on, uh, you know, went and saw musicals and, and was introduced to theater, um, locally in Kenosha. I grew up there and, you know, we, I remember driving down to Chicago to see Cats in the 80s and that was super exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so, so very early, um, that bug, that musical theater bug kind of got into my bones and my little brother and I would make up our own plays and we would, you know, if, if, um, the weekly reader had a, a play in it. We would make all the props and the costumes in our basement. And then he and I would, you know, perform for our families. So it's just kind of always been, um, from very early on, it's just kind of been been a part of who I am. Do you remember what one of those first plays that you made in your in your house was? Uh, I remember we had to make ma- like magic coins and they, they had to fall into a well and there was a, I'm pretty sure there was probably a frog and a princess and something, right? <laughs> something. but I remember these li- like little magic, we, you know, we colored them with gold and, and uh, you know, the Cray- Crayola box, we got the gold out and we cut them in the circles and, and, and we, we had to have this magic coin and, and a bag. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't remember the name of the play, but I'm pretty sure there's a frog, a well, and some coins involved. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of my own my own uh play making when I was very young in fifth grade I, I wrote a play that had to do with uh saying some sort of uh curse or or I guess curse is the wrong word to a mirror in it and if you said it you went into another world and it was all like storybook characters and whatnot <laughs> like that sort of magic it's just like you know us as little kids we were so in in, in uh entertained by and interested in yeah yeah. So you wrote you wrote your own plays. Only the one. Just the one. <laughs> Just the one. Amazing. Just the one. Yeah. Moved <laughs> we on. should have been friends. Moved on from friends. that. I know we would have we would have done some great stuff. I don't know what made me think. 
you know, as an audacious like 11 year old, I don't know what made me think I could write a script and, and hold auditions and all of that. Backyard auditions. I who love told, it. Who told me? Who told me I could do that? Yeah. You did. Probably <laughs> that's like. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I love, and, and I think that that's like the, ma- like that's part of the magic of theater is that you believe. Right. Like, you just believe. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that, that evolution from a kid in love with theater to making it your professional life. Sure. So I, um, I, you know, I, I did, we did this stuff in our basement and, and, um, and then in elementary school and, uh, and I was determined to go to St. Joseph High School no matter what, right? They had this beautiful theater and, and musical theater program. And, and from four on, that was, that was the track. Uh, so I was in the shows when I was uh, there. And, um, and then I went on to Cardinal Stitch College up here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, <clears throat> well, two things. One, in high school, I remember the director telling me, you'll be a good director someday, but today is not that day. And then oh, <laughs> I so <kind> harsh. Of, <laughs> no, I kind of got the same, a, a very similar, you know, uh, it was a little less harsh in college, but uh, David Oswald, who is a very, still a, a mentor of mine, a very dear friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, he was running the theater department when I was, he was the chair of the theater department when I was there. And he said to me, have you ever thought about directing? Have you ever thought about, you know, stage managing and directing? Like, this might be your path. Um, I was like, oh, that's what my high school director said, too. Like, <laughs> I should do this. Um, so, so we kind of, you know, I, I, I worked with David to form a, um, they didn't have it at the time, but like an like arts management, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of degree. I, I, I graduated one class short of a business major and a theater major. So I took business um, classes all the way through college and theater mm-hmm. all the way through. And, um, and so we kind of crafted, you know, a path um, for, for my skill set uh, and to, you know, kind of hone in on those things. And then um, in, after I graduated from Stritch, uh, I, I actually went back to St. Joseph High School with my little brother, and we were the director and choreographer for 10 years uh, there. Wow. Um, so really kind of honed, you know, honed that craft and the love of, of theater and teaching. Theater education specifically, I think, really started, you know, back in 2000 um, when the when they needed, you know, they needed a, a director and choreographer, and we, we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> pretty awesome culmination of your little four-year-old self just <laughs> absolutely fascinated by that stage and then you got to work there it's great yeah yeah so you're from Milwaukee uh tell me a little bit more about uh what's what's made you stay what do you love about Milwaukee what's been what's been interesting about continuing to do work here yeah so uh you know I moved up here I moved up here for school and then I moved back to Kenosha and back here several times. And then I met my husband in 06 and uh, moved back up here in 07. I have been really, you know, kind of uh, here for, since then. Um, but what I, I love about Milwaukee, I don't know, I think why I keep coming back. It's just, I, I absolutely love the, um, I, I love the theater here. Mm. Uh, I think it's, 
I think it's really good. I think it's really intriguing and entertaining. And the community is small enough, but also big enough, you know, to Mm -hmm. be able to, to kind of play, you know, in a lot of different arenas. Um, And so I think that that's why, why I'm here and why I stay. (laughs) Yeah, I think some of that size that, you know, maybe made it a good place for you to start this pink umbrella theater company. There probably wasn't anything like it before, right? Not in, not in the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, out in Waukesha, there's a, a, a group called the ACAP Players. Mm. Um, and Patty and I met, uh, she's the artistic director out there for them uh, at Waukesha Civic. And so her and I met almost right away when, when I decided to, to pursue Pink Umbrella to have a really grand conversation about what it, you know, successes and the challenges and all that good stuff um but yeah we are really kind of just set out to be the first professional theater company here that really focuses on disabled actors and artists mm. tell me more about that that founding and what brought you to that to being especially excited and and passionate about focusing on providing theater opportunities um, for anyone that identifies with a disability yeah, so that too, I think started, you know, when um, when we when I was directing at St. Joe's, we our our philosophy really was that if anybody wanted to be in the in the musical, they they were right, mm-hmm. and we worked really hard at um, at making sure that everybody felt like they were part of the ensemble, part of the team, you know, uh, and had some kind of feature, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be downstage for. 16 counts dancing or up on a platform, you know, singing the high note or whatever it was. Like we, we just made sure to find a time and a space for everybody in that production to feel like they were the star. Mm-hmm. And over the years uh, there, we had several students come in and out who identified with a disability. Um, and and so that's kind of where, you know, trying to figure out how, how to accommodate, you know, uh, and and find success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of started there. And then here in Milwaukee, uh, in my my last position, uh, a a colleague of mine um, started a program for students on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, we we took, uh, we wound up, we started with one week of eight students. And then by the time that I left um, several years later, we had uh, over 30 students taking classes, you know, throughout the course of the year. And and uh, and we received um, training from Mary Stone uh, through Stepping Stones Educational Services. She gave us the special ed component um, to combine with our storytelling and theater making, right? Like, which is what we were all trained to do. Um, and it really, that combination of, of having that special ed component and, and understanding disability through that lens really helped us create, um, you know, create a, a very robust program. Well, those students grew up and grew out of that program, and mm. and now we're theater kids, but adults, right? Yeah. They needed a place to play, too, so that's why we created Pink Umbrella, so that there was a place mm. as an adult to be able to, con- you know, as an adult who identifies with disability to be able to continue their love of theater um, here in the city. That's awesome. So you do still serve um, kids as well through adults, so how does that all kind of how does that how does that play together? Is it is it that you kind of want everyone to be under one under one uh, production and, and working together, or you, or you do different programming for different ages? We do have different programming, so it's all developmentally appropriate. Um, 
So we, uh, we had a class this summer for four to eight year olds with their caregiver, right? You know, an adult and, um, and we sent home sensory boxes. And so mm -hmm. they explored stories through sense, sensory, but then also acted out the characters and, and those kinds of things in a very traditional way. And then our next age group is eight to 13, uh, 13 to 18, and then 18 and above. Um, and so, but sometimes we have, some of our older students really enjoy the themes or the, uh, you know, books that we're working on in the eight to 13 year old land. And so, you know, depending upon how old they are, we might move them into that 18 to 13 year old group. Um, because we all know that age isn't always just the number, right? Like, you know, we develop in, in different stages and, in, and uh, mature in different uh, time and space. So we allow for those, you know, those kinds of um, exceptions as well. Um, but yeah, we, right, we haven't done, we haven't done a production. We were supposed to do one 2020, right? Like yeah. that was going to, this is going to be the year. It's okay oh. though. We, you know, we are, <laughs> we are adjusting and we will, we will do it. Um, but uh, I haven't, that's an interesting concept. Like now I, I need to think about like, would we have would we have like adults and children in the same production? And the answer is probably yes. I just, yeah. we just need to find it. Yeah, yeah. Find what the right thing is to dive into. Yeah. So you're, so you're pretty new, um, it sounds like then. Remind us when, when Pink Umbrella got started. September uh, of 2018. 2018, uh, okay. Yep. okay. Yeah, so we just um, celebrated too. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, COVID threw a wrench in being able to do any sort of programming. But it sounds like you found a way to to help the the students and adults that you serve still engage virtually. Tell so you had the backs. Tell us a little bit more about what you've been able to to move to. Sure. So we uh, we went online in March, uh, and we started with just like a four week program with um, with families that we knew wouldn't be upset if we completely failed. <laughs> like we were yeah. like, hey, we're gonna try this thing. We've never done it before. We have no idea. You know, will you will you come and play and what wound up happening was that our teachers and our students, you know, just like everybody has just adjusted, um, you know, really, really quite well um, into this format, which all of us now are, are adept at after eight, eight, nine months. Um, so, but it's different, like we do different theater in this land than we do, you know, when we're in person. Um, and that has, that has provided a, a place for the teaching artists to create uh, and, you know, struggle through and, <laughs> and breathe through and all of the things that, you yeah. know, we're doing. But um, the other thing that we have found in this virtual space, which is a space that we will keep, you mm -hmm. know, after, um, in the after time, uh, we will keep the space because what we have found is that particularly for our students with sensory sensitivities mm -hmm. um, and transportation issues, this is super easy, right? Like, to, yeah. and, and becomes a very accessible way to to do theater, uh, and not, you know, some of our students in the before time, we were, you know, um, they were taking almost two hours of their day just to get to class, mm. a one hour class, mm -hmm. and then another two hours home, um, yeah. because of because of the transportation, you know. Um, companies that they're working with and and how those you know how those companies function sure uh and then um and then yeah like I said we sent home boxes for the for the youngest ones to just kind of figure that out just this uh 
just this session, we have a, a class, um, a class that's working on their own movement piece. The class is called Dreamers. Mm -hmm. And so they're talking about their dreams and then they're creating, you know, movement, a, a chore choreographed dance to that. Uh, and the teacher, <laughs> she's like, do you have, do you have like juggling scars? Like, can we get them juggling scars? I'm like, yes, we Ooh, can get them, like, we fun. can get them whatever you need. So, um, you know, so, so sometimes the teachers are calling kind of last minute to say, can we get this sensory item or this, you know, mm. pop or something in front of, in front of our classes. So we're doing that too. And, and all of those classes, we just had an eight week fall session in a blink of an eye. Um, and those end next week before Thanksgiving. Wow. Yeah. What a great, I have, well, you know, I hesitate to use the word great about COVID at all, but what an, what a, what a, I think bright spot in, in all of this, that in having to shift so quickly to virtual, you're learning that maybe that's the right engagement point for some of the people that you serve. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely something, you know, if you were to ask me a year ago, like, would you ever teach online? The answer would be no, of course not. Right. Like we're not <laughs> theater. We're making theater. We want to be in person. Yeah. You would, think, you would hold that assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but now it's kind of like this, it's it will it will continue to always be just a part of who we are to make sure that that accessibility mm -hmm. is is available right mm -hmm. um, and then too I get to hire like really wonderful teaching artists from across the nation and we've had students from coast to coast so you know yeah there's lots of like good in all of this um, and sometimes you don't always see that you know sometimes it is especially for me this week, I'll be really honest. It's just, I just want to get into a rehearsal hall. I want to smell the theater. I want, you know, I just want it. Um, it's been a long time, but there's, there is a lot of good that's, that's coming out in this, out of this virtual land and the connections are still there, right? Mm -hmm. Not physical connection, but the connections are still there, which is, which is the most important. Mm. I'm kind of curious on that note, thinking about, uh, reminiscing on being able to hold space together if you if any any particular stories come to mind where you felt a spark of like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing like uh, an actor had a breakthrough or you know I I'm just wondering what's been some of those most memorable moments that really stick with you in your work sure so um one comes from uh, my previous in my previous job we had a student um who was pretty you know uh pretty stoic pretty pretty non verbal but nonverbal in a lot of ways and um and I, and i tell this story because this was a moment that kind of that that really kind of stuck in the with me in the magic of theater and like what i think theater can do for for us as human beings so that whole week he had been, you know, we were talking a lot about emotions and, um, you know, uh, how to express them and, and, and how we show them on our faces and in our bodies and those kinds of things. And I was, uh, I was walking back up to the front to, uh, to get the next student, you know, to go back to the classroom. And I hear this child say, I love you, dad. And I watch, and he, and the student is walking past me, and I watch the dad drop to his knees and just start mm. sobbing. And immediately, like, everybody's, it, I mean, we just kind of froze, and the child just kept skipping down the hall, you know, to get, no big deal, <laughs> no big deal to him. 
Um, and the, the dad, the father revealed that that was the first time that he had ever said, I love you back. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. And so when you think about, you know, sometimes the, the, the way that our brains work, especially, you know, with, with people on the autism spectrum, right? Like their, their synapses are not working in a traditional way. And, and, you know, but like somewhere somehow, and, and I'm not saying that theater was the only thing that did it for this child, but, but those, they worked that morning, right? And his dad said, I love you, son. And he said, I love you, dad. And, you know, and that magical um, response uh, just, you know, I think is something that, that we, we have to contribute to, like, how theater changes you as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll share that story. I think the other one that I want to share in the before time when we were together, we were doing um, a Shakespeare class, and I have a, an actor uh, who has really limited mobility and um and we were we we're like okay well we're gonna do the you know the fight sequence and she's like I can't I can't I can't fight you know I can't barely remove my arms like how am I supposed to hold up a sword or pretend sword or whatever well you know we we choreographed it in a way where we we stuck the pool noodle which is what we were using for swords <laughs> you know kind of like in her chair and underneath her elbow and then she was chasing the rest of this the rest of the actors on stage in her mobilized you know sure. um mobilized chair and she was like I'm fighting I'm fighting you know <laughs> just <laughs> sheer joy we you know we went from a very like depressed, frustrated, like, how am I going to do this, you know, because uh, the choreographer was showing some of the, you know, movement with our feet and our hands at first, you know, and then again, modified mm-hmm. and made the accommodation, and, and it, it turned out really, really grand, um, oh. you know, so those are the moments that, for me, it's like, if you just stop and think about how to, how to change, how to move, how to be, you know, um, what a wonderful, like, environment where, we're able to create and, you know, when we're taking the best of um, ourselves and each other and lifting it up. Um, yeah. 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 Those are the two that come to mind. Thank you for sharing. Those are both so special. And I, and I love that in, in having to come up with a creative solution, then you get something represented in the art and on stage that you would never see otherwise. You know, we've seen plenty of norm quote, normal sword fights of, you know, right. I'm picturing like, men dressed in like Shakespearean era, you know, right. we've seen that, but what we haven't seen is someone with the added capabilities of zooming around on wheels right. with a right. pool noodle. Yeah. Right. That's pretty great. Thank you. Um, so to sort of zoom out a bit and think about, think about how Pink Umbrella, think about you fit into Milwaukee's theater world as a whole. What do you think is something that makes makes Milwaukee's theater and arts community um, unique and special? I, you know, I've been working in this community since 97, right? So a while. Um, and what I love about it, I think first and foremost is, is that it's resilient. Right. I think that no, no matter what comes at theater people, we're like, we'll figure this out. We got it. No problem. You know, uh, and we might be saying that through tears and sobs of frustration, but we're going to do, you know, we're going to do yeah. it. We're going to make it happen. Um, and I, I love the fact that um, the, the artists in the theater community, I, I think at our core are, we would do anything for each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if if a call goes out 
uh, and I've seen it a hundred times, e a, a, even as simple as like, I need a, a blonde wig by 5 p.m., <laughs> you know, like there are seven theater people on that Facebook post that are like, where do you need me to drop it off? I got, I got <laughs> you, you know? Um, and I love the fact that, that we are, you know, we are a group of, of people that I think will, will always have that connective tissue of theater mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and that's family, right? Like that, that, that makes us a family. And, and, uh, I, and I think, I think too, right now between like the work that Imagine MKE is doing to bring, to bring, bring artists together of all ilk, right? Mm -hmm. And then the work that the Milwaukee Theater Alliance is doing again to bring, you know, the smaller, small-ish theater companies together to, to try to figure out how we can combine resources and, and those kinds of things, I think is yeah. really going to help propel us as, as a, a unit, you know, moving forward, as a theater unit moving forward in this community. Mm. Yeah, thank you for using that word resiliency. I love that. Uh, and do you think it, yeah, it, it describes Milwaukee's arts community so well. Um, and it's tough to feel like we have to keep being resilient. I think, I think the community has been resilient, you know, in the face of like not enough government funding and whatnot over the years. And we're going to have to continue to be super resilient coming through and out of COVID time. But, but it's also kind of innate to the DNA of, of how the arts community already is here right mm -hmm. so that's promising yeah 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 I would agree and you have a you know you kind of have a unique perspective too from where you sit right because mm -hmm. you're you're seeing all sorts of communities coming you know yeah walking through walking through your halls you know not I mean not that's physically right. but yeah that's right yeah and I think there's that resiliency paired with an appetite to like have those conversations together and move towards action that mm -hmm. that need that needed kind of uh you know a bow on it like an organization like imagine that that has the capacity to be moving those conversations forward because otherwise resiliency has a limit right like you can be kind of in your own in your own zone trying to trying to fight and do the best work possible um on your own but but to be able to come together is super important too but also hard work to yeah. sort through everyone's everyone's goals and desires and whatnot and, and move towards you know the big the big goals that the sector and the city needs over overall yeah 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 but that work I think that that work needs to be done and I think the other like silver lining and all of this um in this mess of COVID that we're in I think is the fact that we are kind of on pause yeah. In the in in the sense that we are not like, what's the next show? What's the next class? What's the next thing that we're doing? Right? Mm -hmm. Like it's we're thinking about those things, but it's less frantic. Right. Which allows us to come together through Imagine or you know or yeah. the Theater Alliance and say, hey, how do we fix this? Or how do we move forward? Or what needs fixing? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. On that note. Yeah, what do you think are some of the the sector's areas for growth? What are some of the strengths we already have? I mean, resiliency is is a big strength. Um, maybe more on the on the where are we going or where might we go? How might we grow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that uh, you know, I really think that we need 
I, I'll say it like as a white cis female, like we need to take, I need to take a back seat, mm -hmm. right, to the, to the work. Um, I, I feel like uh, for me in particular, like I need to support, right, be a foundation um, and not be a, a, the one in the, in the creation, you know, holding on to the creation wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we really need to take a step back, you know, I think, uh, all of the theater companies, including my own, need to take a step back and look at who's on our leadership, who's creating, who's creating the work, what stories are we telling, how are we telling those stories, what, what's the lens that those stories are being told through, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and I'll, st I'll say that, like, a couple of years ago, you know, when the idea for Pink came into being, it was, you know, to, to do the Shakespeare and show that people who identify with disability can do Shakespeare, right? Um, as a as an author uh, and a playwright to to use, but um, but I, more and more certainly after the the We See You White Theater movement and um, you know the letter from the the BIPOC artist here in in the city to to the Shepherd Express and and really you know through the Shepherd Express really to all of us, um, I I would add I would add that yes we can do Shakespeare, but um, I'd really love for us to start telling stories written um, by individuals who identify with a disability, right? And, mm -hmm. and what are they, you know? Are they writing the magic coin story? Are they writing, yeah. you know, like what, yeah. what story, are they writing about the mirrors and the curses? Like what stories are they writing? And yeah, and, and how, are we, how are we telling those stories? So I think as a collective community where we can grow is to, to take a step back as, as white cis, gendered um mm -hmm. uh, artists and and listen and support and lean into the new narrative create a new narrative here in the city through theater mm -hmm. absolutely i'm wondering if um uh more nationally are there are there other organizations doing similar work to you that you can find that you that you get to find some um, kinship in that you that you might like work towards the you know the bigger goals of like I want to commission new work like what does that look like that you can that you can work through with colleagues that are doing um, similar disability focused theater just curious yeah yeah so there's a couple of things that come to mind um the there's a the national disability theater was formed also um in 2018 so they're relatively new and i actually just had a conversation with their artistic director this week um or within the week and uh and then uh there are three other um three other artistic directors founders that i uh, reached out to in my initial search and we've been talking every month um we call ourselves the accessibility avengers because when we show up on the screen there's <laughs> awesome. four boxes um but uh but yeah that one is in chicago detroit and new york and we all do theater uh with uh individuals who identify as a disability we do it differently mm -hmm. um uh what the Chicago Able Ensemble, they do Shakespeare. Uh, in Detroit, uh, Open Spot Theater, they go into the school system and they're like, they go into every school that they can in Michigan. Um, and they do like musical theater with them, uh, with the students in the schools. And then uh, Collab in New York, uh, they write every session, they write a short musical or a play. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all work, all original work all the time yeah. uh, with their students 
with their, you know, uh, students, actors, and, and playwrights. Mm-hmm. That's also maybe a, a bit of a bright spot in the pandemic as well, that we all, I think, are maybe reconnecting with how easy it is to stay connected with people that are very far away from you and, and yeah, work towards some things together. Even if you want to influence and shape Milwaukee, there are people passionate about shaping their places too, and we can learn from each other. And yeah, that's great. Definitely. Yeah. So tell me more about some of the teaching artists that you work with right now and the the world of of artists and educators that you're that you're able to engage via pink umbrella sure so as a company it's really important for us to hire people who identify with a disability and um and i i think that you know if we are able to lay a good foundation you know the artistic director uh, should identify the business manager, the accountant, the box office manager, like everybody, right? Like, uh, and all able-bodied, typically developing, you know, humans get out, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like play. So right now we have uh, we have a group actually that was formed out of some of our teaching artists. Uh, they um, they asked uh, if there was a, a way for them to connect with one another separately from their able-bodied, typically developing. Um, cohorts, you know, and, and colleagues, just to kind of talk through and navigate, you know, challenges and successes uh, in the classroom as individuals who identify with a disability. So uh, just last month, we launched, it's called Teaching Artists Who Identify with a, Identifying with a Disability, Teaching Artists Identifying with a Disability, and we call it TAD for short, T-A-I-D, uh, and the artists are meeting once a month. Um, we just had our meeting last night, and uh, and we've we have the three three people here from uh, Milwaukee who work for Pink Umbrella, and then there were four more people that joined us um, from across the nation. So we had a, a, a theater teacher from a college, uh, another one from um, who was in, in uh, Philadelphia, uh, and this, the last one is from. I think she's living in Kentucky right now. She kind of is all over the all over the place. Uh, and they talked about last night. They talked about dealing with like ableism and microaggressions in mm-hmm. in the workplace, you know, and and specifically in theater, which is a very ableist place, right? Like you need to be able to sing the best, dance the best, you know, um, yeah. act the best, right? And and you know, taking into consideration that some people's bodies don't move that way, or or they they need more processing time, or or what have you, um, you know, theater has kind of been a little bit off limits to individuals who identify with a disability and artists who identify. So, uh, so this is a place where they come together once a month, and um, I'm lucky enough to just kind of be the fly on the wall in that room and and run the powerpoints and yeah. you know manage the manage the Zoom room for them and and. Uh, and our our, um, our our PD, uh, our special ed education coordinator, Mary, she sits in the room too, and, and we kind of just listen, you know, um, to figure out how to best support our teaching artists as well, who have their own unique set of needs yeah. in the classroom while they're teaching students who identify with a disability, right? So it's, you know, kind of multi-layered, but... Um, but I'm still happy that they spoke up and, and what they said was we, we felt like this was the first workplace where we could say, hey, we need a space. You yeah. Know? And, and of course, that space is theirs, right? Um, yeah. That's so awesome. Uh, 
I am glad to hear that you had the opportunity to get that started and that that can serve as a, as a regular convening place. Um, was that a, is that an opportunity? It's, it's just your teaching artists or you're trying to expand, you're expanding it to teaching artists all over that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is about just connecting with other people who teach, you know, mm -hmm. who identify with a disability and, and, uh, as one of the teaching artists, the one from Philadelphia, she said she teaches in like a traditional school setting as well as uh, yeah. theater. And she said a lot of times she's the only one in the room who yeah. in, in her classroom and in her with, amongst her colleagues who identifies with a disability. And, and she said it's just so nice to sit in a space yeah. knowing that everybody else in this room identifies as well. It just, it, she said it just kind of warms my heart. Um, to know that I'm not alone, you know, so any, any discipline really, or, you know, anywhere that you're teaching, whether you're heading mm. into MPS every day, or you're going into a rehearsal hall, like, um, if you identify as a disability, and, 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 and you want to join us, like, yeah, come, come hang out with us, right, like, once a month, just come, come awesome. and be. Mm -hmm. So anyone listening that's interested in an opportunity can just go to your website to find out, right? Yeah, there's a upcoming events, section or they can just email me at um, katie at pinkumbrellatheater.org and I'll, I'll get them the link uh, and the times and dates and all that good stuff. I'm wondering if um, from from those first few meetings if you if you have any takeaways you'd be willing to share about how folks that don't identify with having a disability in the arts community can be better allies can show up as better allies. <laughs> I think based question. upon just based upon the conversation that we had last night, like quit being microaggressive. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, you know, really pay attention to your language. And and one of the like one of the teachers shared, you know, the the biggest microaggression that that she's received is you don't look like you have a disability. Mm -hmm. You know, and another another teacher uh, said. Or, or worse yet, when they talk to you like you're a baby, you know, because they do recognize that you have a disability, you know, so it's just, sometimes it's honestly just the little mm -hmm. things that we do um, in our language and in, and in the way that we approach and, and make assumptions, like presume competence, people, like presume competence, do not, you mm -hmm. know, do not presume anything other than that, and, and you're already one step ahead, you know, because then you won't talk to an adult who, who has a visible disability, like they're a baby, right? Um, right, right. You know, if you even just stop there at that presumed competence part, yeah. um, and then, you know, and then breathe and then have a conversation. Mm. Thank you. Sure. So to close out our conversation, I'm wondering if there is anything in Milwaukee's arts and culture community uh, that you'd like to lift up right now? Could be a person or a organization or a project or anything that moves you. I, I think that my immediate response to that is is Imagine MKE and the Milwaukee Theater Alliance, right? And 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 I say that because I, I have watched Imagine MKE like advocate so strongly for funding and support and. And then, and, and not only that, but I think the support in the sense of like, let us gather, let us find ways to work together, let us 
um, let us figure out like who's got the space, who's got the chairs, who's got the lights, who's got the sound, and how can we all you know come together and, and make something happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the Milwaukee Theater Alliance is on the verge of that as well, right? Like on the verge of, of really, really honing in and collecting each other and supporting one another um, in, a, in a time and space where, where we can be fine for <laughs> seven hours and 59 minutes out of the day, but then there's that one minute, right? Like where it all falls apart. Um, and there's other people there to just kind of lift and support one another up. And I, I've been watching that happen over the course of the next, uh, the last eight, eight months. Uh, and I really think that, that when we talk about what we wanna see in the aftertime, I, I hope beyond all hope that that, that kind of support for each other, um, the, the, the desire to continue to work together, you know, to create something new on the other end of this. I hope that that continues forever and ever and ever. It's an ideal, you know, place to live. But, but I do think that places like, I do think that organizations like Imagine MKE and, and the Milwaukee Theater Alliance um, will, will help that dream, you know, of, of the support and the collaboration and the and changing the narrative in every discipline, you know, that there is in the city, arts discipline that there is in the city. I really do think that that could really create something new and special in the aftertime. Um, and that's, those are the things that are keeping, keeping me and, and I know from conversations with other people going, you know, is that we are, we're here for each other. And we're all kind of in it together, you know, and that that is that's important to know right now. Mm. I appreciate hearing that, and I appreciate having had the opportunity today to learn more about the space you're holding for those that same sort of work within your teaching arts community, within your actors and students. So thank you for all you're doing for Milwaukee, and let's keep at it. <laughs> let's keep at let's, the work. <laughs> we'll just keep going, right? Like we just got to keep going. We got to keep right. doing it. That's right. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe by searching Arts Forward MKE on your favorite listening platform or go to imaginemke.org slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our other two podcasts, Imagine This Podcast and Black Imagination, and follow us on social. On Facebook, we're Imagine MKE, and on Instagram and Twitter, we're Imagine underscore MKE. Be well, friends.